0: This episode is airing on Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon back with you this morning for an author interview. Today, we are hearing an interview that I did a few months back with author Bobby Finger, and we discussed his novel, The Old Place, which is set in Texas. As some of you may know, I spent seven years living in Texas, and so we do talk a lot about kind of what Texas is like, but... Contrary to where I lived, he wrote a book that's set in a small Texas town, and I lived in more of a like a, a bigger city. But because it's December, we don't have a new release segment this week, so we are just going to move right from the housekeeping into the interview, and that will be it for today. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro Podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email, and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the Book Bistro Podcast at gmail.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon and today I am here with author Bobby Finger to discuss his upcoming novel, The Old Place. This is releasing in the U.S. on September 20th, so we are recording one week ahead of that publication date. Bobby, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Can we start with a brief introduction to The Old Place so that listeners have a little bit of an idea what they can expect?
1: Sure. Um, So The Old Place is set in a small Texas town. Um, It is about roughly a week in the life of a woman, a 60-something, recently retired school teacher in this town, Mary Alice, who is beginning her first week of school, the first time, sorry, I'm going to start that over, who is beginning her first school year without a job in over 30 years. And so she's sort of stewing alone at home with her thoughts for the first time ever. She has no routine yet. She has no work to keep her preoccupied. And she's trying to cultivate this friendship with her neighbor and best friend who she's sort of lost touch with over the years, despite the fact that they are next door neighbors. And coincidentally, her sister appears on her doorstep in this first week of her retirement with some kind of shocking news that reverberates throughout her life and the town. And um, she has to confront her past. She has to confront some of the stories that she's told to the town that weren't necessarily the whole truth and ultimately has to kind of like find redemption um, among herself and everyone in town.
0: Excellent. So I lived in Texas for seven years and Mm -hmm. I think there's something just very unique about some of those like small towns where you kind of feel like in some ways, both good and bad, you're like stepping back in time, in some ways, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think that's true. Um, it it feels like a version of you know watching Little House in the Prairie or the Andy Griffith Show or something like yes. it's, it. it is really, it's a small town. There are these, there are those sort of landmarks of the the small town trope. Obviously, I think one of the goals of of, of my writing this book was to add a little more nuance to you know. The one principal, the one you know, laundromat, the post office, the one restaurant in town. You know, I, 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 all of that is true, but it's also a lot more complicated than I think it's often represented, or maybe not represented more than people who haven't lived in a small town understand.
0: Well, and I think sometimes there is a bit of representation that goes on because you know, as always, we want people to see. Things through a specific lens, and sometimes I think that lens is is more accurate than others. I think people you know um, portray things in in certain ways for certain reasons, not necessarily that those reasons are you know bad or sinister, mm-hmm. but just the lens that we see things through is not always the lens that is perhaps you know what is the most as I said before accurate or or true
1: yeah, totally. And I and I think I I don't want this small town this it, it's based on the town I grew up in DeHennis Texas which is west of San Antonio but in the in the book it's it's called Billington Texas and I, and I don't intend for Billington to represent every small town or even every small Texas town but to go back to what you were saying about representation like it in a way writing this novel was a way for me to finally look at this town in a clear-headed kind of um as close to objective way as i possibly could which is one of the reasons i renamed it i was like how can i represent this town more honestly than i ever have before you know because ah, yes. i think for for so long i i i was a little ashamed of where i was from and didn't like thinking about where i was from and then it became kind of the only thing i could think of and um i i just i just wanted to Approach it as honestly as I possibly could um although you know of course it's fiction and
0: it's fiction yeah a little
1: a little more uh, a little more plot heavy than a lot of lives, but you know
0: well, I think if we lived lives that you know people live in books um mm-hmm. I think we'd all be in like quite a bit of trouble because <laughs> people in books have like way more drama than I like could ever dream of having, yeah, or maybe.
1: Way more drama condensed into uh maybe a six day period
0: <laughs> than most yes. people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, people have like these these enemies in books all of a sudden. And sometimes I'll sit and think, like, do I have any enemies? Like actual people that I would call enemies? And I'm like, no, I, I don't think I do.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think But that in the...
0: books, like everyone has enemies. Like they're just like crawling out of the woodwork, like ready to to get you.
1: Ready to attack. Uh-huh. Yes and then i think in 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 this book, Mary Alice thinks that she has enemies, but then she kind of realizes she's a big reader, and she realizes you know you're you're overdoing things in your head i I don't think you have the enemies that you may think you have, yes, or one specific one in in josie
0: so when you like started to write this, were you kind of had you been living away from your hometown for a while, or like what kind of made you think like, I want to revisit this and examine it in a way that I haven't before? Uh,
1: I, I had been living away from this town for most of my life when I started writing this. Um, And when I first started kind of the the gears of this idea started churning in my head. Um, We moved away from this town when I was 13. um, So over 20 years ago, and I started the early versions of this, maybe five or six years ago, I didn't really start writing it in, in, in earnest, really churning out pages until a couple of years ago during the pandemic, um, Ah, a few years ago, but it, it was a way of, like I said, kind of revisiting this place and trying to, to understand it, but also trying to understand, um, myself a little more, you know, and, and even though it's, it's extremely fictional, (laughs) um, uh, that's something that, I know that my parents were a little fearful when I said, Oh, I was writing about when they, when they wanted the the broad strokes of what I was writing. I just basically told them I was writing something inspired by Dennis. And I think that they were worried it would be, you know, about <laughs> our lives or something. And when my mom first read it, she was like, Oh, it's, I'm so relieved to know it's not about us. And it's like, yeah, it's not about anyone, but it's also a way of me like processing how I feel about this place and how I feel that this place affected me um, and continues to affect me. And, could have affected me differently. I think that that was part of the the, uh, joy, maybe like catharsis in writing this this novel, kind of exploring all the ways that living in a small town can affect you, depending on who you are. If you're someone who's lived there your whole life, if you're someone who's just shown up, if you're someone who left when they were young, if you're someone who came back when they were a little older, like I, I tried to explore every dynamic that um, I've witnessed or have seen myself witnessing, you know, in another life um, through writing this novel. So it, it was, it was a very, it was very personal to me writing this, but not biographical, if that makes sense.
0: That does make sense. And you know, I was kind of chuckling a little bit when you were talking about your mom because I wonder how many people that are writing books that are, you know, even like loosely inspired by something. I wonder how many people worry about this and be like, oh, you know, are they gonna are they gonna write about me? Like, am I gonna, yeah. you know, see myself in this book? Uh-huh.
1: I I think it's, I mean, for me, I because it was based on a real place, that was always top of mind. I I wanted to be sure that, you know, I I keep some names there. Like there were certain things that some names of places and names of people are just names that exist in my life, and those are definitely. You know, I, I guess the best way to refer to them is, is Easter eggs, but that's yeah. as close to the that's as close to the vest as it gets. But I wanted those to be fun for people. I wanted those if if these old neighbors and family members happen to read it, I want them to delight in this book. I really don't want them to ever cringe at this book. And and that being a very top of mind thing while I was writing it, I think really affected how everything played out. I I, I didn't want anyone my family knew or I knew who lived there to really see themselves in it. But I wanted them to see the town and I wanted them to feel, um, I wanted them to feel warm about it. I would never want them to be hurt by this at all.
0: So were there aspects of writing this book that you found particularly challenging or difficult?
1: Yes. I think the the most challenging thing about writing this um, story, creating the characters was very fun. And I don't want to say easy, but it was, I guess, a delight. Um, Expanding all their backstories, figuring out what makes them tick, figuring out why their relationships are as they are, why tensions exist, um, long, long-standing tensions exist, and why they've maybe like ebbed and flowed over the years. The hardest part, though, was, I mean, there are a lot of really traumatic incidents that happen in this novel. There's, you know, at least three. There are several, I guess is a better way of putting it. And there's a lot of deception. And the hardest part of this book was making that deception and making the community's uh, belief believable to the reader because people are manipulated in this novel. And I think that was why I, um, Really was drawn to the Josie character, who is a character in the novel who is a complete outsider who is from New York, who moves there because it's where her husband is from. And she's the person who starts noticing that, like, all of these things that people believe don't really add up. There are cracks in all of these stories that they have all chosen to believe and go along with. And Again, the most challenging part of writing the story was figuring out a way to explain why the town was willing to go along with these stories, you know, because there's a lot there's so much like psych, there's so much psychology in that there's so much like um, avoidance and repression in that and I, I wanted to make sure that no one would read this and say, people would have been asking more questions here like this doesn't make any sense that was always that was always a fear of mine. So it was something I really, really worried about.
0: I read a novel a couple of years ago about a small island where this woman had gotten a whole town to sort of go along with this kind of game that she played in her head that her husband like hadn't really died. Mm -hmm. And this journalist like came to town and was investigating something else and was kind of drawn into this. Whole idea that like a whole town was you know pretending that a dead person was was not dead, Mm -hmm. and I really it kind of got me thinking about the things that people either a choose to believe like actually you know full throttle believe, or the things that people kind of pretend to believe
1: that they don't want in order to
0: (laughs) right like they they go along with it for reasons that you know maybe we don't we don't know from the outside. Yeah, But, you know, looking at it, you're like, well, like, you know, she doesn't have a husband, like he's not, you know, walking to church with her. He's not <laughs> sitting with her at this dinner table. Like, yeah. why is everyone, you know, sort of saying that he is like, how, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we we learn a lot about the things that people are willing or able to, you know, to go along with through, through reading and like understanding how certain things happen even if we're talking about you know fictional people because obviously if someone can think of it to write it in a book um like someone can think of it to actually like have it happen to in some in some way
1: yeah exactly um and i think that that's that's definitely that 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 novel sounds a lot like what's going through uh, the minds of people in billington it's like even if a lot of them i'm sure there are people in this town who believed at hook line and sinker everything they were told about all of the people in town. they don't they don't question things, they just accept them, they don't really think that people are capable of, you know, uh deceiving others and and I'm sure that people also just said, you know what? I don't want to get into it. I'd just rather not deal with this person's problem, you know, I don't want to get into their business, you know and but there was a there was there was still a line to to toe. You still had to make it so that nothing was, was nothing was too extreme. And again, that was, that was tough.
0: So did you know, kind of going into this, like, as you were, you know, planning it out, did you know, kind of where Mm -hmm. all the deceptions were and like what the truth really was, or did some of that sort of unfurl for you as you wrote?
1: I knew it in broad strokes. I knew the major truths that had to be revealed at very specific points but i didn't always know the motivations behind those truths because that and that came as i as i was actually writing you know as i would add an extra flashback here you know an extra flashback there um that just sort of expanded specifically mary alice a little more and that was that was one of the biggest joys of writing the novel because I knew I knew all the 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 bullet points I knew the outline going into it I knew how I wanted it to end I knew what the truth was but I didn't necessarily know all the truths of the characters until I was writing them
0: so did you find that as you were writing it, it did certain points of the plot kind of change and evolve from what your original vision had been
1: oh yes and um I don't want to I don't want to be too spoilery but the relationship between Mary Alice and her son Michael went through a lot of evolution because I I the the broad secrets that they were holding from each other never changed but the reasons behind keeping those secrets did and um in in ways that you know it was completely different from you know outline to 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 final manuscript and then final final version you know published version like things still we made little little additions um, throughout that editing process I think one of the my editor this is my first novel so I had never gone through this process with an editor before and something I found so kind of rewarding about working with her Gabby Mungeli at Putnam was that after she read my first manuscript very little was cut but a lot was added and she, oh. and she would request, you know, a little bit more about this character here, a little bit more about this character here. And it just, she was just spot on every time. And and every time I added a new chapter or a new scene, I, I, I just felt like it, you know, made the whole town a little richer.
0: So what was your journey to actually becoming a published author? Like how did that come about for you? It was a, uh,
1: uh I guess a strange journey but I think everyone's story is is strange um my background as a writer is in advertising copy and that's uh-huh. and and journalism so when I was in college in Texas I wanted to be a screenwriter and I love I still love the act of screenwriting I I love telling a story in that way that's kind of how you know, I, I go straight to dialogue, which is nice with screenwriting. And but also when I'm writing a screenplay, I really love, you know, writing those little scene descriptions and screen screenwriters are, are, are told to kind of keep those scene descriptions as minimal as possible. But um, it wasn't something that I was willing to kind of pursue as a career. It was just something I liked doing. I love I'm so glad that I took those classes and I'm so glad that I learned that skill and was in you know workshops with people who were better than I was and and really took it more seriously than I did. But after graduating, I used my other degree in advertising professionally to get a job because you know it was easier. It was it required less risk, and then you know moving to Los Angeles and really taking a chance on something, and and these are all themes that are sort of visited in the book, like the taking risks and and taking a chance, etc. But um, I worked in advertising up until twenty. 15 when I was offered a job writing for a website Jezebel and I became a full-time um, journalist, senior writer at, at Jezebel, really blogger. You know, it, it, it was a very specific type of writing, but it was a lot of writing. It was a different kind of writing and it was the most writing I'd ever done. You know, copywriting for an advertising agency is very you know, you're writing taglines, you're not writing like long blocks of text, you're not developing characters, you're not like,
0: right, creating
1: stories. And even though you're not really doing that, in in the type of writing I was doing at Jezebel, it did require more of a voice. And so I became more conf com- more confident and comfortable with my own sort of like long form voice, especially in terms of stuff that I was willing to let other people read, because when it came to sort of, my own personal creative writing. That was just for me. You know, those are the files that you keep on your computer or you print out that oh, yes. you never want anyone else to read. It's fine. It was, I, I was happy having that, you know, my little outlet. That was totally cool. But I think working at Jezebel made me more comfortable letting people read things and um, just uh, I guess being more prolific, just writing, 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 writing. And during the pandemic, early, early in the pandemic, maybe just right before, actually, um, I saw on Twitter, I followed a book agent that i had never met in person, but a book agent that was I had mutual friends with. And I just thought that she had a good newsletter. She had a really cool perspective. I really had no intentions of ever writing a novel. I didn't think I was capable of it until she opened herself up to queries. And I said, you know, maybe this is my I don't want to say it was a sign, but it was an excuse to kind of go for it and try. And I had no expectations. And I sent her some pages. I sent her a query. And she had, I guess, based on that, um, enough confidence in me not selling a book. She's incredible at managing expectations. I feel like I'm a very pessimistic person by nature. And I feel like she's not pessimistic. She's just like deeply realistic. So she never made me Ever, she never made me too excited about anything, but she told me that I was capable of doing it. And I had never really been told that before, partly because I never asked. Um, <laughs> but she said, I think you can write this. And I think you write this, um, this many words and this many, you know, in this much time. And she was right. And I just am so thankful and grateful to her for saying that I could do it. And, um, and before I knew it, I had a manuscript. So, the, the story existed as a screenplay, one of those that I just kind of like threw in a drawer years before and I used it as an outline, but like I was saying earlier, it so much unfolded as it became a novel. Like I couldn't, I couldn't reuse really any of the dialogue from the book, from the screenplay either, because I, I wanted it to be its own separate thing. But the, the, the characters the in broad strokes existed, you know, f- a few years before, but yeah that was the the slow evolution from i guess my writing evolution but also the story's evolution. Sorry if that was long-winded.
0: <laughs> no that's perfect. I love how different like people's experiences are in coming to writing and like everybody has kind of a slightly different journey. Yeah.
1: I love hearing and those I, journeys too. It just it makes me more confident as a writer knowing that everyone kind of finds their own way. Um it's just it, It's good for me to hear, you know, personally.
0: Well, I think as a reader, like we don't always know what people go through to like put out the books that Mm -hmm. we read.
1: Yeah. And they're all because everyone goes through a completely different story.
0: So now that the old place is almost in the world, Mm -hmm. what can we expect next from you?
1: Hopefully, hopefully another another novel. You know, I um I am working on something now that I'm excited about, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. But definitely the goal is another novel, or you know, or three or four or five. Maybe even, I mean, at some point I would it's not something I'm working on now, but it it, I would love to revisit um the characters in this town. I, I I love novelists who create small towns and I mean, it's, it's, it tends to not be cities. It always is a small town, create a small town, and then deliver multiple novels about life in this town. And oh yes. um, I, I, I love that. And I would, I would love to revisit it at least one more time. And if I'm lucky over and over again, but you know, that that's, that's, that's far in the future.
0: Well, I am always a fan of, <laughs> of more novels. Um, you know, I think the more books there are in the world, the better the world is. I agree. <laughs> so, you know, if, if you um, come out with two or three or ten more books, that that's always a good thing.
1: <laughs> I Thank you.
0: So before I let you dash off, I do mm-hmm. want to ask if you have read anything recently that you think the world should know about. Oh.
1: You know, I read, um, I read two great books last week, a couple of weeks ago. One of them is, is another Texas book and it's, it couldn't be further from my own Texas book, but I love, I love novels about Texas. Like, you know, like very recently there was a great novel, Valentine about West Texas. Oh yeah. My book is about central Texas. There was a book, um called Parish that's about a small fictional town called what it was called Jerusalem by Latoya Watkins that just came out. Oh, and it's yes, a, I've
0: seen that. It's
1: this it and the cover is I think so the cover is really enticing but it's it's like a it's like a tree with very kind of scraggly roots kind of going all through the text and I think it's such a good representation of the book. It's it's this family history but it's telling the story of this family and all of their trauma and how Um, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a very, it's a tough read, but I think it's just so rewarding and satisfying. And she's created this, like such a, a wonderful, vivid Texas family. And, and she captures the way families break apart and come back together. And the way that like these relationships and these like experiences really are like in our cells, in our bones and our DNA. Ah, And I, and I just found that so it, it was uneasy but I think it was just so, it was so worthwhile. And um, I loved that. And then I also read a great, and I don't really tend to read memoir. Um, I just love, I just love novels too much. Um, but I read uh, the memoir, Easy Beauty by, what's her name? Uh, Chloe Hooper Chloe, Jones. yes. I think that's her name. And I, and it was just it was one of those books. I, I read it on uh, an eBooks. So I read it on my Kindle and I'm, I'm always like underlining stuff, but I feel like it's easier to underline stuff with your Kindle. Cause I may not always have a pen with my book, but like I was just highlighting and highlighting and highlighting and highlighting. It's just so wise. And um, again, it was the most like specific story, this like very specific experience and at the same time, just filled with wisdom that I think could actually <laughs> Affect the lives of everyone who reads it. Like it it was just a a very moving book. It was one of those books that you read where like you tell everyone about it. Where I know that like I'm gonna give that book to people, you know. And I think the same thing is with with Parish. It's just like it's a sort of book you can't wait to just give someone, you know. Um, But those are those are the two that this was just in the past couple weeks. But they've they've really stuck with me.
0: Easy Beauty is actually sitting on my iPad currently.
1: Oh, you're going to love it. It's so, it's so good. It's so good.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your pre-release schedule to chat with me this morning. And I'm also wondering if you can let us know the best place to find you online.
1: Uh, the best place to find me online is uh, probably on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Bobby Finger, just my name on Twitter. And I'm also on Instagram, but there's there's less stuff there. And I've kind of returned to Twitter to kind of do the do the book promo thing. So I, I am I am a little more present there than I have been over the past few years.
0: Ah, Twitter. <laughs> and when you are on Instagram, do you describe your Instagram photos?
1: Do I describe them? Yes, I just started doing that. Yeah.
0: Yay! Accessibility By, I for the. Women. I hadn't.
1: Yeah, I hadn't posted an Instagram in so long. And when I noticed that option recently, I was like, oh, that's good. It's like the alt text on Twitter. Hey, we're doing this now. Great.
0: I love it. This has been a discussion with author Bobby Finger about his upcoming novel, The Old Place. This is releasing here in the US on September 20th.